0: Support for this podcast comes from Home Depot Pro, with an inventory of more than 100,000 products to Home Depot Pro's product selection includes both the name brands you seek and the exclusive brands you trust. For more information, go to www.ebarnett.com.
1: In the last three years changed a lot of culture things where we do, uh, once a month we do family dinners, and I mean, when I say family, I mean the kids, the wives, does everybody you know comes and uh we have it we have a, about a one acre property and we have a, a section of it that's all fake grass and mm-hmm. and kid play things and everything so oh, after we're done eating the the kids go out and we hire some babysitters so we cater the meal we have some babysitters and then we do um some type of webinar webinar uh marriage training for the married people oh, wow. um because I, i've found that three things really uh, really negatively affect the staff Mm -hmm. uh you have relationship issues whether it's a a spouse or you know girlfriend boyfriend whatever it is um substance abuse Mm. and then not managing your money properly right. so you make a ton of money in the summer you blow it all you're begging for money in the winter yep. and so we do specific trainings on those three things to, to try and um, make sure that that those things in their private life are not affecting the the business life and, and it really builds a good culture and relationship That's fantastic. so once a quarter we have an all company all day training oh, we usually bring in an outside trainer and then once a month we do the family dinners and that has made a big difference on on everything else
2: Welcome to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. Today, you're gonna listen to a hugely insightful conversation I had with Andrew Dobbins, owner of Intelligent Design in Tucson, Arizona. Andrew and his team are absolutely killing it. After finishing 2019, At $5.9 million in sales, they're on pace to fall somewhere between $8 and $9 million at a very strong double-digit profitability. Andrew has a great story, and as you'll hear, he's overcome a pile of adversity. But as you'll quickly tell, Andrew's a bit of a focused, intense type. Uh, It's not surprising that he is a hard-charging salesperson by trade, and he just kind of so happened to end up in the HVAC industry. But I'm pretty sure Andrew would have succeeded in anything he chose to do. Over the next 50 minutes, we do a deep dive into a sales process that helped him sell personally get this over $2 million in just four months this year. Andrew and I talk about many of the operational hurdles and changes he's made to enhance uh, the company's success, and we spend a good chunk of time talking about how Andrew has really focused on culture with intelligent design and how that's grown his people and grown his company. Um, This interview is packed full of great nuggets, especially if you're in sales or have a team of salespeople. I really hope you enjoy it. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk with me today. For those uh, who are wondering who I'm chatting with, could you please share with everyone your name, your company name, and where you're located, sir? Yeah,
1: my name is Andrew Dobbins. I own Intelligent Design, Air Conditioning, and Heating in Tucson, Arizona.
2: Fantastic. And how how big are you guys? How many people do you have on your team these days? Uh,
1: Right now we've yeah, we've got 44 people right now.
2: That's awesome. And and what do you think you're going to do in revenue by the end of 2020?
1: Uh, right now, it's looking like right between eight and nine million. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but it's looking right in that range.
2: That's fantastic. And and and, the re, and and you, where were you the the year prior? Last year, we did 5.9. So everyone can see why we're we're talking with Andrew. He's had a, a great year in what a lot of people thought are. And have been some unstable times, but you've found a way to persevere, and, and that's what we want to learn about. Um, before we dig into your success and kind of certain things you've done to get to where you guys are heading, uh, I just always enjoy learning people's uh, histories. I think it, there's a lot to be learned. So um, for you, Andrew, let's see, you, you got in the military, I'm guessing, what, maybe out of high school, or did you go to college for a bit and then transition into the military?
1: Yeah, so I, I grew up uh, in the Bay Area, California, and uh, started to do the junior college thing and um, quickly finished that in a, a semester and decided to go into the Marine Corps. So okay. uh, once I got out of the Marine Corps, I moved to Tucson, And uh, just kind of got jobs where I could, uh, found out I was good at sales, uh, just doing jewelry sales in the mall, Okay. and then maxed out where I was in a very short time and was looking for a way I could make more money. And uh, went down to the Job Service Center here in Tucson. There was a job listing for a sales guy at Air Conditioning Company, and I went in and interviewed, and and, uh, yeah, that was 16 years ago.
2: Holy cow! So, all right, now we—I got to jump back because I saw something in your in your uh, your about us uh, page on your website that, that grabbed my attention. Presidential security at Quantico. What is what is that all about? Before before we get into the the, the HVAC stuff, with we'll
1: sure, sure. That. So my original um, job or MOS in the Marine Corps was military police, okay. and I uh, got selected for a detail. Uh, you have to apply for it and go through boards and and a big screening process for for the uh, top secret Yankee white clearance and all of that Mm -hmm. but basically it is security for the presidential helicopters where you know the white top helicopter he flies around on and the marines salute him as he gets off yeah that was that's the detail
2: that's really cool that's very cool all right well i had i I had to ask because i was intrigued so uh all right to jump back into the hvac stuff so you started you said as uh in an hvac uh, role a sales role correct at, at first that is correct okay and And how did uh, what was your your onboarding what was your training like for that what uh you know was it a big company that knew what they were doing or you know did you kind of have to sort it out yourself
1: i had to sort a lot out myself (laughs) but they were also a big company that didn't really have a good training program so they uh i think they were doing at the time around six million um and they brought me in and and i spent like two weeks one learning how to write a proposal and then did uh, did ride-alongs with one of the sales guys for another week and then you know there you go go sell something <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, if, if you're wondering just look at the size that they have size it like that if they don't have one measure the square footage and, and guess basically yeah. so um after, after some good training that they sent me to a couple years in from from Lennox and train, realized that that is not the correct way to be doing things and, um, and realized that I needed to eventually go out on my own if, if I was going to get this done right because yeah. uh, not many people in this area are running heat load calcs or or uh, doing a lot of the things that are needed to properly install.
2: Interesting. Okay. So you did, the, yeah. let's see, I think what said, 2009, you nine you'd said, all right, um, I'm ready to do this on my own. Was that correct, 2009?
1: Yeah, so I worked for, for that one company for four years uh-huh. and then left and went to another company where I actually learned how to do uh, the heat load calcs on, on large-scale custom homes, okay. and I sold for that company as well for a year. And then I started in 2009 with a business partner. He uh, he had the license. They just got it, and I had known him. Right. So I went in on the sales and engineering side. He was the installer service tech, and we were 50-50 partners with no clauses, and then when we did not see eye-to-eye, there was no. Where to go sure. so i sold him my half a couple years later so 2011 wow and uh, started intelligent design okay um, right. now a year and a half from then he went belly up and i bought all my customers back that i built over the two years with him i'll be darned That's so, interesting. yeah what
2: what was uh what was the genesis of the name intelligent design what were you uh were you doing large-scale projects or you just like the name of it and made it sound like a, a fancy company i mean kind of because it does uh what where'd that come from
1: so it's uh, it has a duplicitous purpose. So it when and my wife actually came up with the name we i I like to see all my options and she you know we listed them all out and then we talked about them and everything but one of the things that she knew just from me coming home and talking is that um we're going in and we're actually doing manual d manual j we're designing things we're running blower doors to see if the the ductwork is sealed Mm -hmm. and we're just doing things at a higher level on the estimate side so uh there's that that we hey we design stuff smart you know uh (laughs) (laughs) and uh and then also Mm -hmm. uh we believe in a Creator. We uh, we believe in intelligent design, and um, and there is science to back that uh, is is a lot more than the science that backs uh, evolution between species. Obviously, there's evolution within species, but not. Um, I don't believe that there's enough evidence to show uh, interspecies. Mm-hmm. So we believe in a Creator. We're a Christian-owned and operated company.
2: That's great. That's great. Yeah. So you got rolling in 2009. You bought your old company back in 2011. Talk about the, you know, and I. I I think if our records are right, you joined uh, SGI around 2015. Um, talk about just the growth of the business. Were you uh, were you growing every year? Were you making money?
1: Yeah. So um, with the, the previous company, we uh, we got up to about two million when uh, when I sold my half. Then when uh, when we went. And I started over again, basically back to the garage uh, and starting out. Uh, we we kept the overhead very low, and I just went out and sold. I had um, I had two install crews, one service tech, and and we did three point eight five million in the first twelve months. Wow, that's good. So that was really exciting, really low overhead. So I was able to put a lot of money in the bank. We were yeah. able to buy a property outright wow. uh, within Great. a couple years, mm-hmm. and uh, and then started to market and grow. Okay, and so in the time in around 2015, so we're talking about the end of 11, really getting going the middle of 12. Mm-hmm. And then up to 15, we got up to 6 million, but we became less and less profitable. Got it. So uh, made a ton of money the first year, really low overhead, sold 3.85 million. And then each subsequent year, we started making less, even though the revenue was higher. Right. And so we're like, we got to figure something out. This is not this is not going like I thought it would. I want to keep growing, but I want to be profitable. Right. And we, were, we weren't. we were I mean, I was still doing okay, mm-hmm. but I wasn't hitting those double-digit net profits like I expected. Sure. How did your role
2: but, in the company change through those from 12 to 15? Were you Did you pull yourself out of the field at that point, or were you still selling and trying to manage the business? Did you have a layer of management that worked for you and in between the field, folks? What did the company look like at that point?
1: Yeah. So, um, there's pluses and minuses to starting as a sales guy, right? I, I never had the install experience. I never had the service tech experience. So I had to trust other people in those roles and to manage those roles because that's not my expertise. Right. My expertise was in sales. So mm-hmm. I, um, as we got less profitable, I, I brought sales guys in and one of the, the curses of, of being, I'm, I'm very good at that core competency. I'm a really good sales guy. Right. And, um, and so as I started to give those roles to other people uh they didn't they didn't have as high a closing ratio they didn't have as high of an average ticket but then we also had too much overhead mm. we had um we had two install managers we had you know we just had too much management in in the way and so um i didn't learn real quick with uh with airtime I, it took some pain to figure that out and i i tried to expand too fast so in um shortly thereafter i uh, I thought, Hey, we're, we're doing great in Tucson. I'm going to expand to Phoenix. Right. And, uh, and we jumped in head first, my wife and I moved our family to Phoenix, opened a new branch yeah. and, uh, and Although we were doing revenue in Phoenix, Tucson was going backwards. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I really caught a hold of everything and, and, you know, not watching the books close enough because, you know, sales guy expertise, not, you know, management of business expertise, we had, uh, we had turned upside down. We're half a million in the hole, um, about two weeks away from not making payroll. The sales guys hadn't sold anything in two weeks and, uh, we're in, we're in, you know, chaos and catastrophe mode. Yeah. So I, you. Was that I was by the coming.
2: Way. So Real quick, Andy. Go ahead. What what year was that? When that when,
1: So that was, uh, I believe that was sixteen.
2: In sixteen. Okay, so that was yeah, now so going after. Moved after up to 20. Phoenix in 15,
1: mm-hmm. 16 Starting to have chaos by by February of seventeen is where it was like crap sitting in the fan, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I was down in Tucson a couple days a week, and then I was up in Phoenix three days a week selling and trying to manage two days, and and there was another thing going on where the manager I had put in charge had um, basically tried, because I was gone for a year and a half and he brought in new people, he had the influence, tried to create a mutiny, and I believe he was pushing the numbers down to try and buy the company for pennies on the dollar. So I started to have some of my loyal people tell me that uh, we were half a million in the hole, and... uh, uh, basically, I, I fired him and a bunch of other people with him. I t- took all the sales calls and uh, started selling about four hundred thousand a month in February, uh, and I did that for uh, for ten weeks to get us back on the on the flip side. And then I started, you know, weaning leads back to the remaining sales guys. Um, so it took the. It, it took the rest of the year we we made money that year but it was hell on wheels to get there
2: right right 2017 was uh, was a heck of a year so you what did you do with the uh, the phoenix operation did you just sell it or just close it and say you know
1: i just shut it down we it wasn't We had one service stuck up there. We were driving up the installers about an hour and a half, two-hour drive. Mm -hmm. And I just, I halted all the marketing. I I had committed to two-year maintenance programs on all the systems that we sold, so we fulfilled those obligations. And then we recommended Phoenix companies to, to continue those maintenance agreements after that
2: okay okay very good very good all right so you get back you get back to to where it all started you're in tucson now um you, you know well,
1: one other thing sure. on that yeah. sorry to interrupt no, no. but we we went from before i went to phoenix doing six million and the chaotic year where i moved back and it was just crazy yeah we dropped back down to 3.8 right which is what we did the very first year right. so um and then it was a building process again so finally last year we got back up to the six million I, I was at before I, I you know tried to grow too quick and, and do another division.
2: Yeah. How um how were the margins at that point in twenty nineteen? Were they kind of where you wanted them to be or were you still not as, as profitable as you wanted?
1: We made really good money over the last two years. Okay. Uh, so double digit net profits both um, last year and the year before. Okay.
2: Well, so let's let's dig into that a little bit. So, um, you know, well, traditionally in these types of interviews, I'll ask about what members did after EP. It sounds like you were just in explosive growth mode because you moved to Phoenix. You were, you were just focused because uh, you saw what you had done in Tucson. Um, when when you got back to to Tucson, kind of after everything exploded a bit, and then you, and you saved it. How how did you go about managing the business differently to make sure you were going to be more profitable? What are some things maybe you put into place? Was it, uh, you know, it sounds like pricing-wise has never been an issue, right? You've always, sounds like maybe you've been priced right on service and in replacement? Or yes or no? Yeah, we're,
1: yeah, so... Uh, because of my sales background, I, I've never had problems selling at a higher price than our competitors. So we are at the top of the market, not the very top, but right. close to. Mm-hmm. And we sell a lot of accessories. Our average tickets are very high um, because we we do some unique things that other people don't do. So that was never an issue. It was always uh, where am I, I losing money within the company mm-hmm. that I shouldn't be to, you know, be, yeah was basically my my issue and it's still i'm not perfect there still i'm still learning and growing and trying to trying to figure that into things out
2: sure where where were some of the things that you knew you were losing money at uh at that point that you could address and you did address can you pinpoint two or three things that were in particular major headaches that had slowed your profitability that other members could look for
1: yeah um I had a general manager in place because I was outselling. I had someone else from from the get go running the shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so eliminating that position and being that guy has helped a lot because mm-hmm. um, no one cares for your business like you will. And right. you know you pay you pay that person a six figure income to to do that role. And then um, what it felt like was they uh, they then have the influence and the control. And maybe they don't run it the way that you would or have the culture that, that you would want. Right. So, um, taking over that role and really take control of the culture and, and everything is a, is a big deal. Right. Um, when, when the culture is not right and people are grouchy being there and they don't want to be there, then you don't sell as much and, and you just can't be as profitable. So, uh, we've, in the last three years changed a lot of culture things where we do uh, once a month, we do family dinners. And I mean, when I say family, I mean the kids, the wives, does everybody, you know, comes and uh, we have it, we have about a one acre property and we have a, a section of it that's all fake grass and mm-hmm. and kid play things and everything so oh, after we're done eating the the kids go out and we hire some babysitters so we cater the meal we have some babysitters and then we do um some type of webinar webinar uh marriage training for the married people oh, wow. um because I, i've found that three things really uh, really negatively affect the staff mm-hmm. uh you have relationship issues, whether it's a, a spouse or, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, um, substance abuse, mm. and then not managing your money properly. Right. So you make a ton of money in the summer, you blow it all, you're begging for money in the winter. Yep. And so we do specific trainings on those three things to, to try and, um, make sure that, that those things in their private life are not affecting the, the business life. And, and it really builds a good culture and relationship. That's fantastic. So, once a quarter, we have an all-company, all-day training. Oh, we usually bring in an outside trainer, and then once a month, we do the family dinners. And that has made a big difference on on everything else.
2: So those those three areas, which you're you're exactly right. I mean, I've, I've been talking to contractors long enough that always seems to be the, the issues that pull people away and create friction. What who you know? What are, who's doing the webinars? Are you doing them? Are you where are you getting the information to, to give to your team? Um, you know, I'm, I'd just be kind of intrigued so other people can maybe. Explore that or, or, you know, learn more about what you're doing.
1: Yeah, one of the uh, the ones that they can look up, and we've pulled from, is called the XO Conference. Uh, it's through uh, through the church. There's probably five, six, seven different speakers, and you can you can look up who the speakers were, and then you can look up um, different different things that they have on the web. Mm-hmm. And it's always you know my wife and I watch it first to make sure it's going to be uh, right. you know pertinent, and uh, and then we we will put it on for the family dinner or after the family dinner for the the couples. That's great. That's great. And then we'll talk about it. Yeah yeah, yeah. What,
2: what are your what are your, your single guys or gals are they what are they doing during that I mean I guess a lot of it is like you said it's, it's how to manage your money too right so there's 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 content that uh, that speaks to them as well
1: so what we do for the finances is different we will put on uh, the Dave Ramsey course oh, I love uh, financial peace university yes. and so we we invested into that training set and then you know do that and so that that's for the finances and then for the marriages we we just play the videos and, and then my wife and I talk about it and we talk through the challenges that happen. Uh, the single guys, if they're in a relationship, they, they might stick around or if they want to be, um, yeah, it just, it, it's not mandatory. So whoever okay. wants to come
2: comes. That's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. So I love that. Um, how about, you know, you, you talked about uh, a substance abuse thing. Is there anything that you do to, to address that or talk, talk about that at those family, uh, get togethers,
1: That's not so much. That's the tough one where it's like we we will deal with that on a one on one basis. We've offered there's a program in town called Teen Challenge that we've recommended, you know, guys go to, Um, you know, we, we try to help them where we can. That is a really tough one to address.
2: Sure, of course, of course. Yeah, that's why I was I was, I was wondering. So, that's outstanding. So you really uh, you really doubled down on culture. And and what have you seen in, in your team? Is it reduced turnover or people? Do people seem they're more engaged? They feel like they're part of a family rather than just a company to go collect a check.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And it's not everybody. You always have the you know the stragglers that they're only there for the buck, and and maybe they're they're good producers, and you they're they're just not. They don't want to be a part of the culture. Sure. Um, sure. But for the most part, I have guys that are saying they're, you know, they're never leaving. This is the last stop. They love it here. You know, I've got guys that have been in the industry for twenty years, and they, they just say, I've never worked at a company like this. Uh, you don't jack around with our pay. We got a good culture. We like the team. We like, I mean, everything about it, and they're they're permanent. That's, so that's an
2: awesome thing. That's great. You know, I'm I'm intrigued. Where did you? When did you decide that was the missing component to your business? Because you're a military guy. I mean, you're just used to being. You know, you give, you're given an order, you follow it. I'm, I'm sure that's kind of difficult for you to, to then have to try and what I would, I'm sure some people consider coddle or, or, you know, nurture people. And that's not, not maybe, maybe your, your background, right? You're, you're, you seem like a hard line kind of guy. So how did you, uh, how did you overcome that yourself to kind of retrain yourself to say, Hey, I need to, I need to walk with people rather than just tell them what they need to do and they need to comply.
1: Yeah. Cause that is definitely my nature. <laughs> uh, that is a great question. Um, what what happened was Family Life Radio put put on a, a, uh, a family business conference in Phoenix mm-hmm. and a a couple uh, showed up, Rick and Holly Beatenbow, uh, and they own a home building company in West Texas in Lubbock and they they're doing about two hundred and fifty million a year building homes, they're the largest home builder in West Texas and just have built an incredible company and incredible culture. Yeah. It's called Beatenbow Homes. Okay. And they came and spoke. And, uh, and then Amy, my wife and I, Amy, uh, and I connected with them and, uh, and they started putting on conferences in Lubbock. It's called the kingdom business workshop okay. and, uh, at kingdom I believe is their website. And I, we started going to these conferences and just taking lots of notes and then bringing back the uh the the tips tricks and processes and and culture and i mean they they've really uh built a great training organization they have four conferences a year for people and we're trying to to steal as much as we can from that and implement it what we're doing here
2: that's great so it opened your mind that hey you you have to really walk with people and guide them versus just tell them it just it, it, it it retrained you in a bit yeah, absolutely. That's great. That's great. Okay, so yeah. so here you are, you you're, you're you're taking over the general manager role. You you realize you cannot be in the field all the time. So how did you, yeah. how did you know, and you, you even mentioned earlier, you had issues with salespeople that, uh, you know, they're not you. And, and so what did you do to, to, to revamp your sales department, to get them productive again, without you being the key driver of it? Was, uh, was it, uh, improving improving the, the quality of people you hired for that role? Was it pr- improving the level of training? Was it getting the right is it a sales manager? Or are you the sales manager? Maybe speak to.
1: I am. Still, yeah, I'm still the sales manager, and we just do all training all the time i have the guys call me if they don't close a deal they call me afterward and they walk me through what they said what the customer said Mm -hmm. and i say okay here's what i would have done here hey did you try this and and just constantly trying to grow them recommending you know books that i've read to them and and uh me consistently studying and then passing that knowledge along to them but Mm -hmm. i'm not completely absolved of of that role Uh, when we get into certain seasons and and work needs to be put on the board Guess what? I'm going out in the field. Right. Um, I had, when COVID hit, the beginning of this year, um, we we had very low quantity of leads and I said, sorry guys, I got to take the sales calls. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the things that propped up the revenue in that time, that's, that's allowing us to hit the numbers we're going to hit this year is I, I sold 2.1 million in three months. <laughs> I just, so it, like I said, it's my core competency. I'm yes. really good at it. Uh, I've got a process I stick to and it works. Yeah. Um, and I've got, um, I've got three other sales guys mm-hmm. and, um, and, they they do good, but it's not 2.1 million in three months. No, so no. well, not mo- uh, most
2: people do not do that, Andrew, but that, yeah, that is, yeah. that is exceptional. So what did you do though? You if you said you were just going to take the leads that you had, how did you keep them in the fold without, you know, them saying, okay, the heck with this, I'm going to, I got to get a job somewhere else. So I mean, did, did you have enough to keep them busy or did you, uh, you know, I mean, how did you manage those relationships? So they didn't burn out because they didn't have anything to do.
1: Yeah. So, um, when they look at the numbers, Mm. they understand, um, because they've, the guys that I have, one of them is new, but the other guys have been here five years and they know that if we're not hitting 400,000 a month, we're losing money.
2: Right.
1: Right. We need to be hitting those numbers and I'm not going to just let that happen. So they make so much money throughout the year that they're like, you know, one of them just, he's a, he's a young single guy. He doesn't care. He makes plenty. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Sure. (laughs) And, um, And if he's, if he gets extra time off when it's a little bit slower, he just goes to the beach or something, you know, (laughs) um, I have, um, another, one of my sales guys actually moved to Florida and, um, and. It was in February, mm-hmm. and so he was gone. Went down there for four months, right right before COVID hit, and then during he worked for a one hour, oh. and it just was it wasn't working out for him. Yeah. I guess the average ticket is a lot lower there, and he just he wasn't used to their process. Yeah. So uh, four months later, he's like the heck with this, moved back, and he's he sold six hundred thousand in the last thirty days here. Wow. So he's killing insane. it right now. That's great. So yeah, yeah. So. I guess they they see when it's needed. I'm I'm honest and and vulnerable with them about the the place of the company yeah. and and so they don't, you know, they don't give me too much trouble when I need to jump in. Right now I'm trying not to take any sales calls True. because our board is completely full. Uh, you know, I need I have a bottleneck in the company right now, which is not having enough install crews. Right. And so right now, we, we just put a process in place to, tr- to uh, really dig in from now until next summer and get more teams trained up on that because that is the bottleneck right now for our future growth.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Bradford White. Bradford White is a full line manufacturer of residential commercial water heaters and boilers. While being manufactured and assembled in the USA by American craftspeople, Bradford White's goal is to deliver high quality, superior products specifically built for the professional contractor. You can always count on the performance and reliability of our built to be the best products. Visit BradfordWhite.com to learn more.
2: Welcome back to the show. In the first half of my conversation with Andrew Dobbins of Intelligent Design in Tucson, Arizona, we learned about his remarkable personal journey. We talked about how he strives to help his people personally manage their finances and relationships, and we also learned about his incredible individual sales production. For the next big chunk of this interview, we are going to dig into the specifics of his sales process, and then I'll continue to pry into his business and see what changes he's made to have such rocket-like success. I hope you enjoy. I know you and I spoke at at an expo about how you have a pretty, your selling system, which I'm I believe you kind of generated on your own. That's all. It's is it all on a tablet? I, I walk me walk everyone through how you sell everything. Do you put the inputs right in there or some? I forget what specifically you do that's unique, but clearly it's working. Sure. So maybe you can explain you know sure. your sales process. Sure.
1: It's um, so my my presentation thing is just an iPad Pro, and what I've done is I've um, created the presentation. I um, I have PDF files, and then I put it into a photo file, okay. so I can just select my presentation photo file and swipe through. Uh, I don't use PowerPoint or anything. I just, I want it to be simple. Right. Um, in that same photo file, I've got, um, uh, pictures of, of anything that can create a connection, um, with the customer. So I've got pictures of me in the Marine Corps. I've got pictures of my dogs, my kids and family, mm-hmm. um, you know, pictures of the, uh, all the, all the team members with the company just different things that people can, as I open it up to show them what I, what I want to, they're seeing all this other stuff yeah. and that can, that can build a bridge and connection. That's correct. Um, then we, we get in and we, we talk about, um, just, I, I do a, something called form. So family occupation, recreation, a message. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm asking questions to, uh, to figure out things about the house, but also build connection with them. Right. I teach them about seer and tonnage, um, the, the long term costs associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I have documents to back up what I'm telling them about a heat load. I have, uh, I have. A folder that has documents from the U.S. Department of Energy and Energy Star uh, consumer reports to show them. Hey, here's why we're gonna gonna do what we're about to do. Mm-hmm. And then once I show them those things, I go and measure for the heat load. We run a blower door to see if they need Aeroseal. Okay. Uh, and and I, I show them everything that was wrong with their existing system. And I de- and if they've had other estimates, I'm asking lots of questions. And and if the other guys didn't do what I'm doing the customers quickly realize that they're they're on, we're on a different level yes so once we sit back down we know whether or not the ductwork is leaking we have the heat load then we we start digging into the different products and pricing and and everything yeah there's, there's a lot more to it than I can explain right now we have a two to three hour sales process I was gonna
2: ask about but, that, yeah.
1: yeah it's' It, it does well. <laughs> so by the
2: time you guys sit down to, to discuss options, are you building uh, their own you know, unique system or are you have a, you know, based on their circumstances, do you, do you build four separ- three or four separate options for them to pick from? How, what do you ultimately give them to, to say yes or no or this or that?
1: So what I like to do is I like to um, talk, I like to talk about solutions. So I identify a problem and then I talk about um, the solution. So if their ducks leak, we're talking about duct cleaning and sealing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to be one of my number one recommendations, because if you have a leaky return and you only have a 15% loss, you can cut the efficiency of the system in half in this market. Right. If you've got a 30% loss in the supply, you're you're talking about taking a 20 sear down to a, down to a 10. So mm-hmm. I don't, There's not a whole lot that I can I can see that's more important than sealing and having the ductwork right. So that's that's something that goes in on a lot of jobs, and that's one of the reasons our average tickets are higher. And we're talking about purification. Mm -hmm. So uh, you got the three different issues with purification: dirt. You've got so dirt, pollen, allergens. You've got the VOCs, and then you've got the viruses. So we talk through all of that. We talk about what those things mean and are, and then I ask, would you like to? uh, You know, do you want to see? prices on this. Mm -hmm. So every every line item I'm asking for permission yeah do you want to see this and and then going down the line and so when we're done I also draw out a system usually a, a split system and then all the motor options I go single stage two stage variable great. what the benefits are of each yeah. and then of course the single or variable inside I, and then I just ask him which one do you want to start with I'll show all of them to you but which one do you want to start with great. and everybody says variable on the compressor so yeah. great you want to start with variable you want to start with the clean and seal the ducting and the purification uh, do you want to start Start with, um, you know, I just I, everything that they said they want to have in there. And so when I build, we use Service Titan. So when I build the quote, I have the one option with everything in it. right? And then before I show them, every everything has a line item price, so they're seeing the prices, but most people don't add it up in their head. Before I get to the bottom where I show them the total price, I, I say, you can have everything that you want here for only, and then I give them the monthly payment. Okay, perfect. Okay? Yep. Now, if, if they... everybody asked, okay, well, what's the total, right? That's just going to be the next question. Oh, I guess, are you writing a check for this? And they're like, no, I'm going to finance it. Oh, okay. Well, is the, is, you know, $320 affordable for you? Yeah. So I don't automatically just answer what the total is either. Um, or they'll ask, well, how long are the payments for? Well, are you, are you going to make minimum payments for the entire term? Or do you plan on paying this off early? Yeah. And, And so, uh, of course we're going to tell them the total it's that you know let's say it's 6.99 for 120 months and the total is uh is 19,500 whatever whatever it is right Mm -hmm. um and then if they push back then we're going to the next level down okay i'm only i'm only taking things away once they turn me down on everything they want and then i ask them okay well what uh what were you hoping the price would have been, and yeah. what do you want to take away? Yeah, and then I, I'll go all the way down to a condenser and coil replacement uh, until they're ready to buy. So we just keep working our way down until they're comfortable. And they, so the the idea of showing all of them on one page leads people to select the middle. Yeah. Starting from the top and taking away, they end up buying a higher end product, yeah. especially with the financing. No, that's definitely
2: not That's great. So, do your other sales guys follow the same kind of a process that you're you're, you're you just outlined? yes that's great that's that's fascinating very good very good well okay we could probably spend an hour just talking about your sales process but i don't want to just do that but thank you for sharing that um sure as you said your bottleneck is is with your install team and yes and you're working to address that uh what does that mean what are you what do you what kind of a plan do you have in place is it are you just uh trying to hire a lot more green folks and and seeing who sticks uh what what are you doing in particular
1: So I've got, uh, right now, um, I've got three leads and that are, are good. I've got one that is really good and he's also a very good trainer. So what we've done is we've, we, uh, hold him back to a salary role, and are putting two helpers with him to try and raise the level of the helpers. And then we're going to rotate them through the other helpers and get them up to uh, actually up to snuff as a helper or, or trying to move them to a lead. Mm -hmm. Once we have those pushed forward, we're going to take green guys and start to rotate them through training with this guy to get them up to helpers status yeah. and they'll they'll not reach lead status for a while right sure. but at least get them up to helpers so the guys that we initially have as helpers that we're training to be for leads next year are leads and then we bring in green guys to train as helpers and then rotate so i got to get to to five or six install crews in order to really achieve what we want to in the in the coming years yeah, that's great um your service
2: department how many uh, service techs do you have uh you know, are they? Are they? the I'm assuming they're the, they're the reason. They're the bulk of the the sales leads are coming from them.
1: You know, um, it's. I wouldn't say the bulk. I would okay. say it's fifty okay. fifty. Uh, we've got seven service techs and two plumbers, and then we're we're doing solar right now. So I've got a um, just a couple guys doing solar. Um, so yeah, it's not, we don't have a huge service department. Right. Uh, we just have very high average tickets. Mm-hmm. And so I never wanted to have the most leads. I wanted to have enough leads and high tickets, high closing ratio. Right. So right. ideally my sales guys, if they have a, a full day, it's two calls. Mm-hmm. We're spending, you know, usually three hours, sometimes it's four. Uh, but we're walking out of there with, with big tickets yeah. and, uh, and so, um, yeah, not too many service techs. Okay. Are you, um, I forgot, yeah, I well,
2: should, should have mentioned it. Yeah, there's obviously a plumbing part of the business as well. Uh, is do you guys have a combined club membership? So they're kind of feeding each other.
1: Yes, we do. Yeah. Okay. So we, we have our, our, we call it diamond club membership is yeah. three visits and, uh, Good. heating, cooling, plumbing. And then if they want an electrical inspection, we do that at no additional charge. Um, but, you know it's not it's not an automatic part it's like hey do you want do you want to have this and then we'll have one of our electricians come out because we have all three licenses
2: okay Just so i guess it's really your call center that's driving that you know they're, they're the ones that are recommending hey have you had you know for it's a plumbing call uh, maybe are they selling? Are they? Yeah. By the way, is your call center selling the club membership, or is that all done at um, home? Or what do you? How do you guys have the structure?
1: Most of the time, it's the technicians in there selling. I just uh, hired an inside sales guy, oh. um, and he's starting to call back guy uh, where where the memberships have lapsed mm-hmm. and try and resell them. So we're, that's a that's a brand new thing for me. I was talking with Josh uh, from Rescue Air, mm-hmm. and uh, just talking about the inside sales role. So I'm I'm still working on that it's not it's not up to snuff yet
2: yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Oh, that's cool that's very interesting um you know big thing uh, we you know we've talked about uh training a little bit you know with your sales guys yeah by, by the way how frequently are you meeting you, you talked about you know if they ha- if they don't close something they're calling you right away do you, mm-hmm. do you meet with them every day to talk about what happened previously what's happening this today or how frequent do you to get with them and work on their their skills
1: once a week we all get together and we we do that um but we talk i talk with them individually all the time they they'll be in the middle of a call and hop up into the attic and say hey here's what's going on what do i do here you know um so it's uh, it's regular communication with them and and um you know, one of the cool things about jumping in and them seeing the numbers is they gain a new level of respect and then start to call more right. because they saw my numbers in, in three months, you know?
2: Yeah. 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 Very good. How about your, now I know you say you don't have a huge service department, but, but obviously, um, you know, every lead that, you know, 50% of your leads are coming from them. So it's a huge source still. Uh, what does their training look like? Are you talking to them about how to, to properly, you know, communicate with homeowners or do you have a service manager that, that directs that? What do you guys do?
1: Yeah, so I lead the service meetings as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's technical, I don't do that. I have right. uh, a service manager that will lead any technical meeting. If it's a meeting having to do with uh, the process and the sales skills, I do that. Mm-hmm. And so in the wintertime, we do three meetings a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And in the summer, because we're so slammed, we're just doing one a week. Okay.
2: Very good. Very yeah. good. How, how about plumbing? I mean, I, when did you decide to finally add plumbing, or was that something that was always in the fold and
1: just wasn't as, as big? We added plumbing five years ago. Okay, um, it's a very small department. It's uh, it. We got two guys, and they they're really good at what they do. Yes. Um, and I'm needing to do the same thing there as I'm needing to do on the install side is bring in a couple green guys to train with my my really good guys and, and grow that. But I mean, as far as the the gross revenue of the company goes, it, there's <laughs> it doesn't compare very much sure. to the AC and the solar side of sure. things.
2: Sure, sure, sure. Um, how about the call center? How, what does your call center look like? Uh, you know, what? How many how many call takers do you have? How many dispatchers do you have? Do you have a, a manager over that department?
1: I do. So we have uh, one manager in the room that. Also uh, does, she does a lot of stuff. She will uh, flip the tickets and service Titan for the sales side and do the scheduling of, of the installs, but she also manages that that room. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one dispatcher and then we have two additional uh, gals answering phones and scheduling okay. and then we have the uh, the gentleman who's doing the inside sales role. So there' all there's five people in in one area okay. and uh, and they're doing all that.
2: Okay, now he, he's going to call out to try and, and sell clubs. Who, uh, do you have anyone that follows up on unsold? I mean, I know you guys you're killing
1: it. The same it fails, guy, but, same guy. Oh, he's going to two on those. He's going to he's going to do follow-up calls on on every service call. So he, his job is to uh, make sure they're happy, mm-hmm. get a review if he can, mm-hmm. uh, get stuff sold if it's not sold mm-hmm. and uh, and and then when he's done with all of that, then he's calling old customers that maybe their their membership has lapsed. That's right. So yeah, what what
2: is for people that are intrigued by this new position like I am? What what is his compensation structure look like? Uh, how is he spiffed on different sales? I'm assuming, or is he just hourly plus plus some kind of uh, commission, or wh- how have you structured it?
1: Yeah, you know, what we did is we did a salary-plus uh, commission. So on our service side, we, we tried to simplify how we pay our technicians. We just pay 20% a ticket, across the board, no parts deduction. Um, I found that a lot of people that do the parts deduction thing, uh, the techs around here feel like they're getting screwed all the time and that, you know, oh, they're charging me triple what the part actually costs and, and all of that mess. So we simplified it so that we would never have anyone think that we're, we're not giving them their due. 20% across the board. Now, the inside sales guy, if he sells it, a lot of times he has to discount it. Wow. So if he does not have to discount it and can close, he has his salary, which we pay 30000 plus a 5% commission on anything that sells. Okay. If he discounts, he gets 3%. Okay. But when the technician goes back out, we've split up the sales commission versus the install. Okay. So install gets 10% if you sell it and install it, you get the 20%. Okay. So the additional 10% now is split between that guy's, the inside sales guy's salary and commission or, or discounts that we have to give to close it. Okay. So I still build, I still build my pricing around a 20% expense on, on staff, Mm -hmm. but, um, it's just split differently.
2: Okay. Very good. So, um, speaking of, of performance and, and, you know, motivating and, I mean, obviously, there's always the cookie of commission and everything. But what do you do to, to talk about performance management, you know, if guys start going on cold streaks or stuff like that? I mean, I'm sure you have scoreboards in the office that kind of, you know, gently uh, nudge performance, right? I mean, you have the numbers in green and red and all that like we talk about.
1: Yeah, we um, it's it's all part of the tech meetings. We're, we're regularly talking about how we go about, and really the, the repair stuff, is easy we're not usually talking about repair stuff it's right. broken fix it there's the price sure. talking about accessories we uh we like the ranger from dynamic okay so we sell a lot of the electromagnetic purifier we use um we use the apco but it's private labeled so it's platinum carbon pro mm-hmm. um for the uv light and then the carbon it doesn't emit any ozone so we're selling a lot of that mm-hmm. uh Seal and duct cleaning as well oh yeah um one, lot. So we have a lot of accessories available to these guys um, because we have electrical and solar. Um, If they flip it over to our electrical department, they get a spiff for that. Um, If they flip it into a sales call, we're giving them 3.5% of the the gross total of the sale. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they have a heavy incentive on on flips. Um, And so, yeah, that's... So you're just monitoring
2: every, you know, you're monitoring every every call, basically every sales appointment, every service appointment. So if if someone's not performing, you know right away, and you, you know to address it. It's it's not something that you go, oh my gosh, so and you know, Joe is, is is just not flipping leads. He's not selling IQ like we expect him to. We got We got to you know resuscitate him right now. You're you stay on top of all that, you know every single thing that's going on in the business.
1: I would not say that. <laughs> <I> <laughs> That's wish I would goal, on at least. Top <laughs> of everything. I, that would be. That is where I'm headed. That okay. is not where I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, really good on the sales side. Yep. Organizational stuff. I'm working every day to try and improve. And mm-hmm. I got a call with Abigail, Abigail later today to <laughs> talk about some of these these things I need to fix. Yeah. 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 I
2: mean, you, you. I mean, you've got a remarkable story. I mean, you, you're a hustler. You're a great salesperson, great communicator. Obviously, as everyone can hear. What What are some things, I mean, that, that you know you need to work on in the business to, to make sure it continues to uh, not only rev it, top line grow, because you know how to do that, but how about to, to make sure that bottom line is, is going to consistently stay where it is? Are there two or three things you know need addressing?
1: I I know that um, having, it's talked about at every expo, the, the DME having the daily, the regular, regular numbers to, to monitor the cash flow through the business. Mm -hmm. I know I need that. It sucks. I've been trying to work on it, but you know, to be frank, I, I have not. Yeah. So that's, that's probably my number one issue right now is just trying to get those daily numbers and, and, making sure that i can make immediate changes right. one of the things and i want to make sure to give give credit where credit is due because we're talking about growth yeah um one of the changes i made after uh, an expo is i hired the brand guys oh yeah and we had we had never done radio before and we you know ray flew out here worked with our, our local guy dave young and mm-hmm. we put together a, a radio campaign that revolves around intelligent design and um and before i was all internet it was 100% where are my reviews and how do I market those? So yeah. we've got between um, between all the different review sites using uh, Pulse M. So between Pulse M, Angie's List and Google and all of that, we have 10,000 online reviews, wow. right? So yeah. that's where the bulk of our leads were coming from and then we counseled with with Ray and built a program and and invested in radio this year, and it's been huge. That's been one of the big, big upticks. And so uh, now that we have that kind of, you know, the radio bombarded, now next year in about March, we're going to be putting together a TV campaign. Sure. So, um, so yeah, that's been, I, you know, there was a number of people that recommended them yeah. uh, even, you know, years before, and I didn't jump on it. Now I wish I had years before yeah. because it's really working. What is the
2: um? What, what is the core messaging about intelligent design? Is it just to emphasize how, how careful you are to to measure and, and make sure each project's exact, just to your to your home, or or do you get into the religious end of it, or what what, what do you? Get?
1: Yeah. So basically, what, what Ray and his team do is they come out for a whole day and interview you about your childhood, your background, your, you know, how you, they, they get all this stuff and then they put together, you know, three to five different ideas okay. on how you can create a story, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, we, we looked at, hey, do we use the, uh, I, I grew up, you know even before the marine corps doing candy sales um just selling in front of the market and and breaking all the records doing that right. or do we use the marine thing right and we we go all veteran and marine corps and all of that what we landed on was uh creating creating story where my wife and I are on and we say, you know, Andrew and Amy here with intelligent design, solar plumbing and air, we believe in the glory of an intelligent designer. Mm -hmm. And then we go into an intelligent design, uh, fact, you know, we'll talk about the, the billions of code written into the DNA. And then, you know, and then, you know, as you talk about that, wow, that's amazing. I wish our air conditioners were designed that well, (laughs) you know, but statistics show that 90% are installed wrong or, Mm. um, We'll talk about how amazing the lungs uh, in our body are and, and how intelligently they're designed and some factoids about that. And then we'll say, man, if only our ductwork was designed that well. Yeah. Most people have, you know, leaking ductwork, back pressure issues, hot and cold pockets, and you don't have to live that way. So That's great. um The one that we're playing right now is about the heart and the compressor, and we sell Amana, so it has a lifetime uh, compressor unit replacement warranty. So the ad is, um, call us about your forever AC, but it starts with the intelligent design facts about, those things, awesome. and so we've we've done a lot of stuff on the sun, the solar system, the stars, just things that are amazing. And if you try to equate them into the story of evolution, and you look at the details, it doesn't work. Right. It's intelligent design. Right. And so that's that's what we're talking about. So we're we're going ministry style, um, and then. <laughs> And then design stuff smart. That's basically cool. right? Yeah, it cuts through the clutter
2: because if you start hearing an AC guy talk about that, I, I can imagine driving my car going, "What? Like, well, who is this? I got to turn it up a little bit," and it grabs attention yeah. for sure. What, what
1: kind of? Now TV? that also oh, that also brings the hate mail. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we get the people. You're so stupid. You believe in a god? You know, right. and that, we get those guys. That's okay
2: though. But the, I think you know the people that, that do call and, and and align with your beliefs are, are people that are going to be more apt to buy too, in my opinion. So. So, uh but yeah that you would know, you, you believe in there's no problem what, what kind of stations are you uh are you on for again for-
1: we started uh for about three months and just just killed it on the talk radio station okay. so conservative talk radio am and then uh, started really getting some good calls and now we're on 11 stations wow Holy cow yeah
2: what kind of frequency are you do you front load them early in a week or are they kind of distributed throughout or you try to get during core drive time and just pay extra
1: what Ray's team does is he uh, they they do all of that stuff. I don't yep. worry about it because they try to bring it down to a certain cost yep. um, per listener, yep. and so um, they, you know. They are the experts at that. I don't, I just, yeah. whatever they do, right? Yeah, so sure. um, I'm hearing from customers, they hear us all times a day on all the different stations. I think the frequency is four to five times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it goes as low as three, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know I don't know if they're doing it on weekends. So it's, you know, during the weekdays on all these stations.
2: That's great. So. No, they do a great job. I know they've, they've contributed to the Compass Magazine for many years, and they're just awesome people. So I'm glad to hear that they're doing <laughs> For you, so Andrew, talk yep. to me. What about um, you know? What do you expect in the next you know six months, twelve months, two years? Where where do you want the business to go? What do you want it to? How do you want it to look like?
1: Okay, um, my my goal, of course, is that to, to really hit that eight to nine million this year. I've had that goal for five years and just went backwards and then forwards, right? Mm-hmm. So now, once we're we're breaking those barriers, then then it jumps again. Expand um, expand the department. Start really training up guys. Um, and I'd like to in two years, I'd like to be at fifteen mil.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 you, how do you expect to get those? Well, just it's all training, or what other things do you think you need to do to get to that level? To start start building the next. level? level of uh, your management team maybe the people that can start taking some things off your shoulders
1: it would it would be making sure that the sales guys can sell close to my level so i don't have to do that yeah then i can i can work on on top line stuff being able to train service techs and installers that's the bottleneck is can we get the guys mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um i can market all i want it doesn't matter if i can't get to people yep yep right so, so. um get the right sales guys the right service techs the right installers and um and then back it up with with marketing
2: yeah yeah
1: that's, that's it that's cool. that's what we're doing
2: very cool just in wrapping up what any and you any general advice you'd have for i mean we we have members that listen we have non members that listen to listen to this, any just general advice you'd have to them to things you wish you'd have done differently over the last couple of years or or things that you look forward to doing that you think are going to make a big difference, something that that, that they could glean from based on your experiences.
1: I would say um, become excellent before trying to expand too fast. Mm-hmm. Saturate a market before jumping into another one. Right. Um, because if I put marketing into Phoenix, I can put that same marketing into Tucson and gain, you know, gain more market penetration. Uh, and I did it before I had had foundational excellence. Right. So uh, that cost me a lot of money. That mistake. Right. Uh, now it was a learning experience. Oh, so, you know, we, we grow from everything. But that that's a big one. Sure. Um, the the sales side of things, if if you can really dial that in and have have that good, you can have a, the all of the other stuff in place, but if you don't have the sales to support it, yeah. um, you know, and, and then vice versa. We have really good sales, but you know, we want now we want to try and shave off percentages of expenses to gain uh, net profits. True. So um, I don't know if I answered your question, yeah. but that's my my oh, big big deal get whatever culture that you want yeah. um create a culture where people want to be there and they don't ever want to leave once they're there mm-hmm. and if you're training guys from the ground up they have more loyalty than job jumpers
2: right right that's huge right I, that's something
1: train them from the ground up have a great culture and then they don't want to leave
2: for sure i know it's something we at SGI have been trying to beat that drum especially given the, the the scope of the industry and and just lack of great people in it we got to pull them in and then and grow them up. So, well, awesome. Andrew, this was a really enjoyable conversation for me. I cannot thank you enough for uh, allowing me to to grab an hour of your time. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, If there's anything at SGI I can do for you, you let us know, and I look forward to seeing you at the the next expo. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Have a good one.
2: Bye-bye. That's Andrew Dobbins of Intelligent Design in Tucson, Arizona. Thanks for listening to the show. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, email me at bhouchen at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a rating. And remember, friends give fives.
0: You've been listening to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International. Support for this podcast comes from Dynamic Air Quality Solutions. Dynamic manufactures IAQ products based on the science of clean air. Dynamics Clean Air Defense System products are supported by technical and communication IAQ training that is second to none in the industry. For more information on how to get your team confident in communicating IAQ challenges and solutions on every call, email Michelle Hogan at mhogan at dynamicaqs.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager-to-help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com. The Successful Contractor podcast is copyrighted 2020 by Aquila Investment Group, LLC.